Welcome to the podcast, History, Politics, and Beer, the podcast that examines contemporary issues through the lens of history. Now, from the home office in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, here are your hosts, Matt Shockey and Jeff Hudson. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is History, Politics, and Beer. And to be quite honest with you, I don't know what episode this is uh, because we've been recording them and we've been, Jeff and I have been talking about which order they're going to come out. So if it's the first one, welcome back to season three. If it's not, you know, it is what it is. All right, so Jeff, here we are, History, Politics, and Beer. I did the intro. That means next up is certainly you presenting us with yet another tasty beverage. Yeah, and I bought. Uh, we've tried this brand before. We uh, did. I thought it looked familiar when you yeah, brought it in. Yeah, Breckenridge, uh, which is, a, I think, a, a good brand of beer out of Colorado, Littleton, Colorado, I think. And uh, uh, but you know, I get those fifteen can samplers, and they have a lot of different kinds. So I think we're trying different kinds now. Okay. So uh, try. Uh, what are you trying? Like, I got a vanilla porter Breckenridge. Um, it is, uh, what do you say? It's, I think it's 5% or five and a half. Oh, yeah. Five and a half percent, uh, can that's a, so here we go. It's a, bre- it's a vanilla porter. That's nice. Is that nice? Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. I, that's a nice winter beer. Yeah. A nice vanilla porter. Yeah. I, um, like I said, I don't like the IPAs, but the porters, a good, a porter, not all porters, but this one's pretty good. Good. Uh, yeah, I have the Hop Peak IPA, and um, I just tasted it. It's a good IPA. You know, the really great IPAs like uh, Elysian Space Dust, just for instance. Mm-hmm. They, they, sometimes those things are like 8 9% alcohol, and uh, I love them, but I can't drink many of them. Right. So uh, what I would say about this one, this is about a 6.5%. It's still um, – it has that nice uh, bitterness, but there's a uh, it has a clean taste uh, at first, followed by some really uh, uh, sort of reedy bitterness, which I like. Uh, it's a good IPA. It's not a it's not space dust, you know, okay. space dust, but it's a really good IPA, and you could drink more than one or two of these at a time. So this comes in a sampler pack, a fifteen can sampler pack, yeah, Breckenridge. Yeah, so yeah. hey, go out and get that. That looks like a lager. You got an IPA, you got an amber ale, a, a wheat beer, and then the vanilla porter. So you get. I, th- I know last time I think I had the wheat beer. I really like that yeah, too. Yeah, that's a very crisp. Yeah, beer. aguave that aguave wheat. Yes, yeah. I do remember that. All right. So here we are. Um, the day today is September 28th, and I think that's important to mention. Is it the 28th? I think it's the 28th. Isn't it the 29th? Oh, it's the 29th. It's Sunday the 29th. Um, I think that's important to mention just simply because of the timeline of what's happening with President Trump and the impeachment proceedings that are taking place, because that's going to be sort of a central theme for this pod that we're going to be bringing up. So I think it's important for us to state the date so you kind of can put in context what and why we're saying certain things. Um, our theme early on this uh, season has been the Constitution, uh, and we're going to discuss checks and balances today and how the three branches of government sort of check the other branch and how the founders viewed power. Uh, and then we're going to sort of back out of that a little bit and then concentrate a lot on uh, what's happening right now with Trump and the possible impeachment and 
how impeachment works or the history a little bit of impeachment and where we think things are going to go. I know that we hit impeachment in a previous pod, but I think it's important to sort of um, review a little bit because it's certainly something that is happening right here and right now. So, Jeff, let me ask you this. Uh, what, what, how did the founders, how did they think about solving the problem of the concentration of power? Right. They, they realized, uh, that if, if one group or one person has all the power in government, it will be, the, the temptation will be to keep concentrating that, take power away, and then you just, you don't get good public policy. And at the worst case, you get tyranny. So they took Montesquieu's idea and they divided government into three branches, which I think you know, most people know. The legislative branch, which is make laws, the executive branch, which will carry out laws, and the judicial branch, which will interpret them. And they gave each branch ways they could check the other's power. Uh, the big branch of the the big check of the judicial branch on the other two branches is the ability to declare uh, laws or actions, executive actions, unconstitutional. Um, one of the big checks of the president on on the Congress is to veto. One of the big checks on the Supreme Court is the fact he'll uh, pick the members of the Supreme Court and nominate all federal judges. And Congress has a variety of, of checks. Um, and one of those, sort of their ultimate weapon, is impeachment. One thing, though, I don't want to skip over the idea of just the fact that you divided government into three branches, which is not the same as checks and balance. That's just the vision of power. You, it requires the government to work together to get anything done. Um, if Congress passes a law, uh, the president needs to sign it. And then, you know, hopefully down the road, if somebody appeals it, the Supreme Court will uphold it because of what they did was constitutional. So it requires a, a, uh, an ability to work together. And I think we need to remember that in the background of all this, because I think that ability to work together is broken down. Oh, very much so. And it's broken down over partisanship. And you have to remember that the um, Constitution was written without any reference to political parties. Madison talks about factions, but they did not foresee that there would be two main parties and that they would be at each other's throat. They didn't see that. In the, and, and that's something that we have to take into account right now and how it, uh, I would say, warps or influences the original idea of our founders to check power with power. Right. So the the power is being um, mitigated in two ways. First, you take that power and you split it up between three branches of government. So not everyone has to work together. Not everyone has enough power to get something done. Right. And then the second way you do that then to mitigate power is a system of checks and balances. So even if you are using your limited power incorrectly, there is a way for the other branch to say, no, 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 you can't do that. So really, that's a two-tier protection, if you will. And and, and they, they, they put it this way, too. They said, check ambition with ambition. Right. It's not like they... Uh, um, think that was Madison. Yeah. And it's not like they expected these guys would always do the right thing. If you're in government, whether you're in judicial branch, in the legislative branch, or in the executive, they assumed you you might want power. 
Right. And the best way to, you know, to check that is to have somebody else who wants power uh, to have some control over what you do. And then I guess we could also talk about there's a third way that we can protect ourselves, and that is through uh, firearms. <laughs> just to throw a grenade into that conversation, um, is through a, a democracy, a republic, allowing people to vote. And we voted directly for the House of Representatives. Indirectly, we voted for our senators. Um, and indirectly, we selected the president as well. So the idea of we the people, power comes from the people, power is divided and checks and balances. And hopefully all three of those come together and we avoid tyranny. And I would say I give them an A plus in that. We've been o- alive in this country for over 200 years and we've avoided tyranny. Um, the we've, system- had, we've had a peaceful uh, you know, uh, transmission of power for over 200 years, which most countries can't claim – I mean, the only exception might be the Civil War when Lincoln was elected. But even Lincoln insisted that elections were held in 1864. You know, the idea was that we might cancel elections. And Lincoln said, no, we're not canceling the election. No, and and people, uh, some people feared McClellan might win and he might try to end the Civil War without the end of slavery, which, uh, you know, but that didn't happen. Grant, Grant took Vicksburg. And that that didn't happen. By the way, I'm just reading a thousand page biography on General Grant. I would recommend it to anybody. What an amazing, amazing human being! And it's neat that his life is being reconsidered through through better scholarship, right? Because he gets bad grades as a president, right? Um, but we kind of we we ignore in some ways the life before the presidency. And his contribution to saving the Union. Just you know, I just got through with the Civil War part. Maybe the best American general that that ever lived. Okay, I, we should do a whole podcast. Yeah, just on Grant, Grant. Grant would be great. We could do and one on Grant, Grant and Reconstruction. Lee, right? Oh, Grant and Lee, sure, that would be awesome. Okay. Um. Anyway, so we'll put that one in. We'll put that a pin in that and save that till later. So let's concentrate on the one big check that's so much in the news today, and that is impeachment and removal of the president by Congress. Um, so the Constitution is relatively specific and relatively vague when it comes to impeachment and removal. It says that the president can be impeached and removed for treason, bribery, high crimes, or misdemeanors. Uh, step one is to impeach the president and the House of Representatives by a simple majority vote and then have a trial in the Senate uh, where if he is convicted of these crimes, he can be removed with a two-thirds vote. Right. Seems rather simple and straightforward. And the person presiding over the trial was the Chief right. Justice. Chief so Justice you have, Supreme There you got to check some balances right in there. So let's back up a little bit, Jeff, and talk a little bit about the history of impeachment. Uh, and I, we, if you really want a lot of this history, go back and check one of our old podcasts. We really go into the language and give you the history of the language and how many impeachments there were, not only presidential, but going after Supreme Court justices. We're going to concentrate simply on presidential impeachments. And there's been two. Uh, Andrew Johnson. So it's uh, interesting you mentioned. I just mentioned Grant. Right. And, uh, you know, right, and that took place in, in, uh, in the politics and the political situation after the Civil War. But go ahead. Very good. So he was uh, impeached for simply violating what was called the Tenure of Office Act. Uh, Also, abuse of power was one of the articles of impeachment. Um, It was a political impeachment. History. Radical Republicans hated his guts. He was a a war Democrat. And, uh, you know, Lincoln was assassinated. They ended up with this guy. Isn't he from Kentucky? Tennessee. Tennessee. And they didn't like him, and they thought he would be easy on the South, and they thought he was a racist. 
I know in this grant biography, Frederick Douglass mentions uh, that he met Johnson. And Johnson looked at him, he said, uh, um, as an inferior. And, and there was some hostility in the way Johnson. So that's probably, you know, that's accurate. I'll trust yes. Frederick Jug- Douglass on this. And in the context of just losing hundreds of thousands of people at the end of the Civil War, uh, the idea that you were going to negate that somehow, negate the victory, was not not too big with uh, our radical Republicans like Thaddeus Stevens, who lived here in Lancaster for some some of the time he was. Right. So even though it was a political alive. impeachment, it worked. They got him impeached and really neutered him. Um, he agreed basically to back off. He was not going to veto uh, reconstruction legislation. He was going to let that go through. Uh, sort of agreed to, I will get along with you, just kind of don't throw me out. They still almost threw him out, right? By one vote. One one vote in the Senate. Yeah, one vote in the Senate. Uh, and it really goes down, as, as you pointed out, as a political impeachment. Uh, if we fast forward ourselves to the 1970s and Richard Nixon, uh, even though Richard Nixon isn't impeached. So we'd have two presidents. One is Andrew Johnson. Uh, one will be Bill Clinton. We can, we'll be remiss if we don't mention Richard Nixon because Richard Nixon with the Watergate scandal and really the cover up of the Watergate scandal um, is going to be impeached. Uh, it's a slam dunk. He doesn't have the votes in the House representatives. And he also knows that if it goes to the Senate, he will be removed from office. Because they have tapes of what he did that right. he denied. And once the once it came out that there was a taping system, and uh, there were tapes, and he tried to release the transcripts of the tapes, and he also claimed executive privilege. And he came, yeah, he, he did that first, and right. then once he Remember had those the, two things, that comes back later. Yeah, and uh, he tried to release the transcripts, and and then it turned out that one of the tapes had a big uh, pause in it, and uh, you know a, a big gap that looked like it was erased, and and, and all this. Came to look like uh, Richard Nixon was pretty guilty of again. Um, he kind of gave the committee to reelect the president a little carte blanche to go after this guy. Nobody, you know, but I don't think he knew the specifics until after the Watergate was broken in, and and then he he orchestrated a cover up, and and uh, he was going to be removed from office because there was evidence, and he became the only American president ever to resign. Right. Uh, and then in a rather courageous move, uh, Gerald Ford pardons him, which at the time was tremendously unpopular. But I think most historians will give uh, Ford high marks for put it, being able to – what? how did uh, – end the long national nightmare? That's or, what Jerry Ford said. Yeah, and something along those lines. End our, our long national nightmare. It, you know, I, I would compare that to almost like, you know, uh, after the Jerry Sandusky stuff right. and the dust up with uh, Joe Paterno, and and they bought in the uh, former director of the FBI. Was it Free? I think yeah, was the free. name. Yeah, and he produced this uh, thing, and it made Joe look bad, and made and people people were very upset about that, and they were upset at the board of trustees. But what Penn State's number twelve now. Right. They just moved on. I mean, right. there there's wisdom in just saying, okay, this was wrong. And, and, you know, I think what the athletic director, the vice president, right. And the president all have, they're all convicted, right? Um, I think so. Yeah. They're I don't all, know if they're all serving time, but they've No, all, but they're all con- right. convicted. And, but, it, but it was done. And, and everybody goes, well, that wasn't, all, and it, but, you know, I think they did it. And that's what Jerry Ford was trying right. to do. He's like, well, yeah, maybe we can make this last, you know, two or three more years and we can be divided or we can just go, 
you know, that's done. He's out of office. That's the right result. And we can move forward. Right. Uh, and it would just, and Jerry was right. Jerry, uh, I, like I'm a good friend. Like I was good friends with Ford. Uh, Gerald Ford was right. It was just going to tear us apart. Uh, it was going to go years and years legally. All right. So then we go ourselves. Everyone gets along great. Everyone is singing Kumbaya and eating graham crackers and drinking out of juice boxes until the 1990s. Uh, and Bill Clinton decides to have an affair in the Oval Office. And then he has the nerve to lie about that affair on a sworn statement. Right. Uh, that was basically the statement was being given in a sexual harassment suit um, that was centered on a long girl named a woman named Jennifer Flowers. Uh, so no, I th- I, wasn't it Paula? Paula. Oh, Jones? Paula Jones. Paula, Paula Jones. Jones. Yes. Yeah. Jennifer Jeff Flowers was the one that came to light. It's hard to keep track of Bill Clinton's <laughs> women, but I think Jennifer <laughs> Flowers was the first one that yes. was reported, and that was during the campaign with right. Jennifer Flowers. And so Paula I think, Jones was the Arkansas girl that right. was supposedly got taken up to the room by a state trooper, and Bill Clinton uh, exposed himself. Yes, to allegedly. Him. Allegedly. Yes. And that was what was being. He was questioned about it because you have to – it's always a he said, she said. Right. And you have to prove a pattern of corruption. And he lied. He said, well, you know, and then they bought up in that right. context. The, um, you know, uh, what's what's the name of the woman he had? Uh, uh, Monica Lewinsky. Monica Lewinsky. And that he didn't have sexual yes. relations. <laughs> I did not <laughs> have sexual relations with that woman. Yeah. But uh, uh, he was a good liar, wasn't well, he? Well, yeah, and then oh, yeah, he was one of the best we've ever had. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just wonder how awesome he was. Anyhow, but most people, you know, the economy was doing good, and most people didn't think he needed to be impeached for that. Well, Bill Clinton. Like- Bill Clinton was a popular president. He was yeah. running. And here's something to remember in this: because it's a political act, you're, uh, the opposition really has to look at you know how popular this guy is, right. be- and because in the end. You know, you might vote one way or another, but then you have to stand, whether you're in the House of Representatives or in the Senate, you have to go stand for re-election. And the Clinton economy was booming. Uh, Most people uh, felt that this was a personal thing, Mm -hmm. the majority of people, and he shouldn't be. Other people were very serious about it and thought he should be impeached. But there was never a groundswell of public opinion to impeach him. And that's very different than Richard Nixon, who's by the time— it was getting around to where he, the the House Judiciary Committee, had voted for impeachment. The House was taking it up. I mean, his his uh, approval rating was in the high thirties, low forties, and and <clears throat> so there was no political cost if a Democrat or possibly some Republicans voted to impeach him. He just wasn't a popular guy, right? And there was, but there was a, a political price to pay with Clinton because he was actually during the impeachment proceedings seemed to be getting more popular. Right. And the Republicans were were starting to be seen as being petty. One of my favorite political cartoons that I remember from the time, um, you had this big giant ship and it had, uh, it looked like the Titanic or something on the end and it said USS impeachment on the side of it. And it was on the beach and all bu- a bunch of Republicans had ropes and they were trying to drag this impeachment ship <laughs> up, up, the, up onto the beach showing that this is not what the American people wanted. Um, and Bill Clinton survives. He's impeached, uh, but he's not removed from office. Not convicted. And right. remember, we got to get two thirds. And, and and that was never in question, probably because I mean the Republicans didn't have two thirds of the Senate. Right. It was all quixotic to begin with. You were never going to remove him. Right. And, it, and it, he was popular. Right. Um, so and that plays a huge role 
actually, I think the Clinton impeachment plays has informed a great deal of what we're seeing with Trump. That impeaching, you think, is an automatic, like a winner. This is a win for the opposition. If you can impeach this guy and you can drag him through the mud, that somehow this is going to pull down his poll numbers and you're just, you're going to stand triumphantly over a dead body and wave the, the victory flag. And that's not the case. Well, that's not what happened with Clinton. In right. fact, they, I think they didn't, didn't the Democrats gain yes. members of Congress. Right. Uh, so during, yeah. the Republican, the Democrats now, when they look at this Trump situation, especially Nancy Pelosi, our Speaker of the House, who's been around for quite some time politically, is very cautious when it comes to impeachment of the president. Well, she's been against it, even though the progressive members of her caucus are, have been saying, well, he needs to be impeached for this, that, and the other thing. She's like, no, you know, no. But now she's not, no, right? Right. And I think you could, add, I think if she were, if you were talking to her privately, uh, she would bring up the Clinton impeachment and say, look, you know, just because we want it doesn't mean the people want it. And we could become the very thing that he is warning everybody about. And remember, the, perception is reality here. So if you try to impeach Trump, it doesn't go well. And then all of a sudden, Trump is saying, look, it's a witch hunt. They're abusing their power. It starts to look like that, regardless if it is that way or not. And all of a sudden, politically, you become less popular. He becomes more popular and unintended consequences. Things have changed. Uh, the Mueller report, it came out and that was a giant nothing, really. Uh, Mueller refused during testimony really to launch a bomb uh, or set off a bomb that said, well, yeah, and the report said yeah and, and the report said you can't indict a sitting president anyhow he was following justice policy uh yeah it was uh, now it, it's very clear that the Russians did interfere with the election and I think the the idea though of how much Trump had to do with that or how much it was coordinated I think that's pretty muddy. And, that, yes. and that's what Mueller was, you know, that's what he concluded. And that's why Trump was saying, well, there's no collusion, no collusion. But I think another thing to keep in mind is there's no doubt that the Russians did interfere in the 2016 election. There's no doubt that they paid money uh, uh, for bots <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to go on social media. There's no doubt that they hacked some of our own states uh, their election systems, and we don't. I don't. Still don't know exactly what information they got. There's no evidence they changed any votes, but there's no doubt that they tried to do that. And I think that's a very important thing to remember too, because what the stakes are in this election, are on this impeachment, uh, might be fair and free elections the way a Democrat might look at it. Like you know, you're doing this again. You're going to a foreign power again, and and you might you might have some success again too. So this becomes sort of an ex not sort of it becomes an existential uh, right. battle. It's like if we're going to be uh, run a candidate and and have a chance of winning, we got to make sure that foreign powers uh, aren't involved, and you know we can't be sure right now. We can't be sure because they certainly were involved in 2016. So that is a great tie-in for us to talk about what has happened currently because you're talking about uh, Russian interference with this election. Um, and the controversy now is on the Ukraine. Right. Uh, and the president of the Ukraine is a man by the name of Zelensky who actually was a comedian. 
Um, he had his own little television show, sort of like the John Stewart Daily Show. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Yeah, and he was elected the president of Ukraine. And there was a there was I've a, seen T-shirts that say John Stewart for president. So there you go. Why not? I, I might have voted for him yeah. at one point. And so we give military aid to Ukraine, and it I, this is what the accusation is. The accusation is is that Donald Trump, President Trump, froze military money. Which is authorized by Congress, which is another one of the, the way we divide power in the United States. All money has to be authorized by initially the House of Representatives and passed through a budget process by Congress. So right. So that's, that's a really great point. Um, so he froze that money and then had a conversation with President Zelensky and allegedly said, look, in not so many words, um, you need to investigate Joe Biden. And you need to investigate Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, because he had b business dealings in Ukraine. And you need to find something on him. Uh, you need to help us out here. And if you do those things, yeah, maybe that money will become will be coming back to you. Right. And, um, I, and I don't think he actually said he froze the money and then made the statement, you you need to help us out. Right. So, and, and, and some people say, well, is that a quid pro quo? And, uh, you know, for me, after, you know, they released a limited uh, uh, sort of redacted transcript of that, when I listen to it, I hear a quid pro quo. I, right. So the money is going to flow your way if you help us do these things. Um, I'm looking at right now, I'm trying to pull up the little bit of the transcript. Uh, Trump, I would like you to do us a favor because our country has been through a lot and Ukraine knows a lot about it. I would like you to find out what happened with this whole situation with Ukraine. Uh, they said CrowdStrike. I guess you have one of your wealthy people, the server. They say Ukraine has it. There's a lot of things that went on. Uh, Mueller was incompetent. Um, then he goes on to ask, let me move down here. Um, Rudy Giuliani will be able to help you out. I really cannot find off the top of my head. Here it is. I just uh, the other thing. There's a lot of talk about Biden's son. That Biden stopped the prosecution, uh, and a lot of people want to find out uh, that 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 whatever you can do to help the attorney general would be great. Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you can look into it, it sounds horrible to me. Um, really, is this this idea that the president? would be talking to a leader of a foreign nation about a political rival's son is it sounds like a pre quo a prid pro quo. Is that yeah. right? Is that, is that quid. Right? Quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. Thank you. Right. Um it it really does sound like that. Um and I don't know how Trump gets out of this one. I mean but Well yeah and, and, and let's let's put part of the put this in the political context. It's sort of the, the and, and, and get out of the checks and balances for just a little bit. Right now, uh Trump is is not a popular president. He he's never breaks fifty percent. I would say usually it's uh, uh low forties is what he's getting as far as job approval. Rating, of course, it depends on your poll, and you're better off looking at aggregate polls, like at five thirty eight right. or real clear politics, because the aggregates tend to be more accurate. But he's not a popular president, and most of all the polling I've seen in the past, oh man, three or four months, show that if he would run against Joe Biden uh, in two thousand, he would lose. Uh, two thousand twenty, he would lose most of uh, every poll, and. Not only that, he would lose in the states of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, 
which were the states he won surprisingly last time in 2016. All the polls I've seen show Biden beating him in those states, beating him in the general. So he's looking at this. Uh, you know, I think you have to. Why is he concerned about Joe Biden? Maybe he's just really concerned about corruption in Ukraine. Maybe that's really got his attention right now. That that seems unlikely and seems like he's looking at the polls and trying to get out ahead of them. Of course, I don't I don't know if Joe Biden's going to be the, the nominee right. anyhow, but that certainly was on his mind. Why would you suddenly, you know, unless you're just really, you know, a partisan. I mean, <clears throat> there's there's lots of places we could have potential corruption with and there might. But, you know, this was definitely aimed at Joe Biden. and. Uh, it sure does look like he was willing to threaten withholding money until he got some dirt on the right. situation. At the end, the president goes, good. Well, thank you very much, and I appreciate that. Uh, I will tell Rudy and the attorney general Barr to call you. Uh, wherever you uh, wherever you would like to come to the White House, feel free to call. Give us a date, and we'll work that out. I look forward to seeing you. Um, so, yeah, so it, it seems highly unlikely that the president all of a sudden is interested in corruption in Ukraine uh, regarding the money that were being sent there when he has never mentioned it before. This has never been in any of his talking points. This has never been something he's been hammering on. Uh, the man holds a rally, it seems, every other week. If Ukraine corruption was something he was – He might have mentioned it. Did you think? Did he? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, I, I, did I miss something? I'm, that, I'm going after the Ukraine. You know. Right. So – it, and, and, it can't be a coincidence that he, he's talking to the Ukraine, that Hunter Biden, they happens to be talking about Biden, and Biden happens to be the the leader in the Democratic, not primary, but the Democratic pre-primary right now. Right. It, it's just two. And, and and all the polls show Biden beating right. him. Yeah. And, and also, the thing I think it looks terrible for Trump is, is the reason Ukraine, the Congress has authorized money to the Ukraine, is the Ukraine is threatened from... Uh, the uh, Russia and Vladimir right. Putin. They already taken part of Ukraine, which is Crimea, but uh, they're arming soldiers. Russia's armed Ukrainian. Uh, uh, well, you uh, Ukrainians who are loyal are Russia. How about this Russian ethnic Russian Ukrainians who live in the Ukraine, and that's one reason. Was that? I think it's four hundred million dollars. It's a lot of money. Yes, but it is the, the it's money. Not it's. Ukraine is not worried about an invasion from, like, uh, you know, uh, Saudi Arabia. They're not worried about France coming down there. They're specifically worried about Russia. And this, to me, looks bad, too, because the election in 2016 pointed out a, maybe an unseemly connection between Vladimir Putin and Trump. So this would, you know, withholding aid would be something that would be seen as good for Vladimir Putin's Russia. So I I don't think that's the motivation. I don't think Trump thinks that way. I think he thinks about his own political survival. So why now? Nancy Pelosi is in charge of the House of Representatives. She is Speaker of the House. Nothing moves in the House without Nancy, without Speaker Pelosi uh, saying that she, they're the majority party right now. Uh, she has been frustratingly... Um, anti-impeachment to the Democrats. Right. Um, to many of the Democrats. To, to many of the Democrats who, who wanted to go forward. They've been pushing and pushing and pushing. And Nancy Pelosi seemed to be saying no, no, no. 
What's and she could read the polls too. The polls right. were against it. The most people don't like impeachment, and I understand that. Like it adds an element of instability to our government, right. and it's already stressful and unstable enough. So I understand why most people. Uh, so it's sort of a reflex. I mean, I wasn't in favor of Trump getting impeached. Either was I. I, I just you know because you have to remember everything that we do sets a precedent. Right. So. You may be all gung ho for impeachment now until your man is in the office, and now he's being impeached on something you think you see as a trumped up charge. Of course, in your opinion, it's not going to. You know, your opinion would be like not yours, Jeff, but somebody from the other side would say, "Well, Trump was a, that was impeachable, but my guy, what he did wasn't impeachable." You know, it, it, it everything happens sets a precedent. It also sets a precedent the other way as well that if you go after an impeachment. Uh, impeachment vote, and you don't get it, basically what you're putting in the record is that's not an impeachable offense. So you better make sure you have those votes before you start this proceeding. Right. Um, and, and remember, it's going to start with the judi- the actual uh, thing will happen in the judi- Judiciary Committee, right? right? And then they will investigate this, and they will report out a re- uh, uh, to the House of Representatives who will then vote as a body on whether or not to impeach Trump. And right now, Nancy Pelosi seems committed to that course. Right. So I can, unless something were to change, unless something were to come to light, and I don't know if it will or not, um, I think this is a slam dunk. I think he's getting impeached. I cannot see Nancy Pelosi starting this circus not knowing the end of it. You know, it's almost like they tell an attorney questioning someone on the the stand, never ask a question that you don't already know the answer to. And don't ask for a vote if you don't know what the vote is going to be. I think she she has the votes. Uh, right. right and, and 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 she that means she also she has more information than you and I do right. too about the situation. Yeah, I think uh you know, Trump's one of those guys, uh, and and we had that talk where like, is he really bad? And and uh, you know, and, right. and and I always thought he's he's just a big character. And there's part of me as just a student of American history. I mean, I'm reading this big biography of Grant, where I'm like, you know, I, well, am I going to live long enough to see a really good biography of Trump? Because <laughs> it'd be fascinating. Sorry, it's just I don't care oh. what say. It'd be fascinating as hell. And he's a big, you know, he's a, a big character. He's he's an amazing guy. In some ways, you just have to give it to him. Uh, and uh, but the, but the thing about it is, I, I do think uh, he presses like a lot of people who are full of themselves. They press their boundaries. They keep going. They keep going. He's already, you know, had the Mueller report, and it was about the influence of a foreign country. And then he came on. Now this is what is this about? You know, getting a foreign country to possibly interfere. In the 2020 election, it's like he thinks himself as he is bigger than life. But, you know, the Greeks have a term for it's called hubris when you think that uh, and it's excessive self-confidence. You think you can do this, but really it's going to drag you down at the end. This is easy to understand for the average American. And I've seen the polling. It is starting to change on, on the polls I've seen either support impeachment by a small margin or they're tied. And just two weeks ago, it wasn't close. Right. And it's easy to understand. People don't want 
even, you know, uh, moderate Republicans, they don't want a foreign country to interfere with our elections. No. So this, this, what's going to happen next couple of weeks? I think right now the committees are on a two week vacation, though I think some, they might be uh, calling that short. Someone told me to bring people back early. I think you're going to see things happen very quickly. This is not going to be a Mueller report situation. I think Nancy Pelosi is too smart for that and knows that the longer this thing drags out, the more unpopular or it will start to become unpopular and it start will start looking like a fishing expedition. Uh, I think things will happen very quickly. I think the vote will happen very quickly. Um, I do not anticipate the Senate removing him from office. No, but they and. and- and, you know, well, the, one of the questions is, will Mitch McConnell even start a trial? Because he's kind of violated some of the norms of the Senate, like not holding a vote for almost a year on a presidential nomination right. for a Supreme Court justice. But I don't know if he'll have a choice. I don't. The Senate rules seem to indicate he won't have a choice, that once the House votes for it, he will be forced to go through uh, and, and conduct a trial and that will be going on in the middle of the campaign season. Right. And that's what it looks like now. It looks looks like a mess. And there'll be tons of and if it goes on the campaign trail, that means that reporters will be asking questions about it every single stop. It means they'll be brought up in debates all the time. It'll be something people talk about constantly. It'll be the tin can that's wrapped around your leg, uh, or the piece of toilet paper in the next, heel that you in can't. In the next get rid of. Democratic debate. They're not going – all the other debates, they've gone after Joe Biden because he's the front runner and, and people want that spot. I don't think they're going to go after Joe Biden. I think they're going to – you're going to hear like how Joe Biden's being you know, uh, persecuted by Trump and how right. Trump went after Joe Biden. And that's an interesting thing too. How, how does that change the dynamic of the Democratic race? Now, all those are great questions, Jeff. We're going to leave it there. We're sitting right around the 40-minute mark. Um, hey, thanks for joining us again. Uh, we're going to be coming back next week with some more inf- more pods. We're going to be talking about balance of powers, checks and balances, uh, and delve more into the Constitution. So thanks for joining us.